In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man who cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to Today on the Unchanging Word radio broadcast, we are in the Gospel of John, verses 6 through 11. We will be hearing about John the Baptist, a man sent from God. John the Baptist's name, John, was given to his father by an angel. The name John comes from the Hebrew word Yehohana, meaning the Lord is gracious. This man came as a witness to the light, and as Dr. Mitchell notes, when does the light need a witness? How dark it must be that light needs to have a witness of its presence. Well, John compared to Jesus was as the moon compared to the sun. He came to bear witness of the light. And as we shall find out, Jesus our Lord is the true light. He is the eternal life, that kind of life that is the light of the world. We'll turn in your Bible to John chapter 1 verse 6 with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. We again come to you with our studies in the Gospel through John, and it's a wonderful privilege for me indeed to come to you as we read and reread and study together this wonderful uh, presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ as God manifest in the flesh. Again, I come to you with the reality in my own mind that we as God's people need to know something, need to know more, shall I say, of who our Savior is. At the same time, we would like to have those who do not know the Savior to have their minds open so the Spirit of God can reveal to them something of the wonders of Jesus Christ, God's Son. We've been studying here in the first chapter of the Gospel through John, dealing with the pre-incarnate Christ, the one who was the Word 
The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Here you have him way back in eternity. And then we read of him being as the creator. He created all things. And not only so, but in him is life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't understand it. The darkness couldn't put it out. Again, I want to come to you with this tremendous fact that in Christ is life, eternal life, satisfying life, indwelling life, resurrection life. And apart from him, there is no life. For men are dead in trespasses and sins. And when we come to this first chapter of John, we realize something of the awfulness of the darkness in which men live. Not only spiritual darkness, but moral darkness. And if there is any light, any spiritual life at all, God himself must give you that light, and that light is in Christ Jesus. And as one reads from the book of Genesis and reading right on down through the centuries, we find that God revealed himself. There is no absolutely no excuse for anyone not really knowing God. I want to make this statement, flat-footed statement, that God means business with men. God loves people. He loves you. And God is to be found. The question is, do we mean business? Do I really want to know God? I'm sure, my friend, that if you really want to know God and to be delivered from sin and to become a child of God, God is more willing to meet you then you are to meet him. He has made all the provision. When our Savior came, he came revealing not only the character of God, but he came revealing the love and grace of God. Does God have any interest in me? He certainly does. And God has made it possible for you and for me to really know him. For in him is life. and The life was the light of men. And I again repeat it, unless God reveals himself, man will never know God because man is in such moral, spiritual darkness. Now, starting in at verse 6, we have God's witness. We read here in verses 6 to 9, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Let me just stop right here. You notice there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And that's all you need to know about John. Allow me to say this in chapter 1 and chapter 3, where it speaks of John the Baptist. John is a worshiper. You don't find John pushing himself forward. In fact, as John the Apostle writes in this presentation of our Savior, John is only brought in as one who is a witness of the light. That's all. Nothing said about his birth, his father, his mother, or his life. You have to go to Luke's gospel for that. In Luke's gospel, you have how he was born and so on. Because in Luke, you've got Jesus as a man in the midst of men. And John has a great place 
with Christ in this particular uh, case in Luke's gospel. But when you come to John's gospel, he's a worshiper. And may I say, friend, as you and I approach this gospel through John and gaze upon the beauty and the glory of our Savior, not only in his saving grace, but in the wonder of his, of his person, we too may be worshipers, to worship him in spirit and in truth. But to me, it's a tremendous thing. Man is in such moral darkness that God has to send a witness of the light. Does a light need a witness? No. No. But man is in such darkness that God sends a man to be a witness of the light. John came to introduce men to the light of the world. He was to draw people's attention to the light. This is his job. This is your job. This is my job. Allow me to, to run ahead of myself in this chapter. You follow chapter 1 through. There was a time came when the leaders of Israel said to John, Are you the one we're looking for? Are you the Messiah? Are you that prophet? And John just absolutely says, No, no, I'm on your voice, crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. John is just satisfied to be a voice. You see, nothing is going to hinder with people seeing the Savior. I'm sorry to say this, but it's so true that too many of us, in teaching the Word of God, in preaching the Gospel, uh, people see the messenger more than the, the one of whom the message speaks. Oh, that we who teach Sunday school classes, preach the Gospel, give our testimony, God grant that Christ will be the center, that we will take our place as pointing people to the Savior, not to self. It's so easy to become self-occupied instead of Christ-occupied. I say this as I read this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's all you know about him, as far as John's gospel is concerned. But he came to be a witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of the light. My friend, I repeat it. John's job was to attract people's attention to Christ. That's why his first message in verse 29 was, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Don't look at me, look at him. Even when his own disciples came, John said to his own disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. John hid behind Jesus. When you come to chapter 3, he could say, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. I must get out of the way. I want people to see Christ. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we Christians, we who love the Savior, were to hide behind him and let people see Christ? Oh, what a need today for men and women to see the real Savior. And you and I may so live and so walk that people will be attracted to Christ himself. This is the burden of my heart. I long so much for people to see Christ. It's so easy to see Mitchell or whatever your name may be, but oh, to see him in all his loveliness, in all his saving grace. I like John. I just love John the Baptist here. He was sent to bear witness of the light. I'm only a voice crying in the wilderness. I'd say, though, the tragedy, men are in such moral spiritual darkness that God has to send a witness of the light. And again, I repeat it, you and I also are in the world. If you're a Christian, 
You left down here, what for? To draw people's attention to the light. You remember our Lord could say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, his final word before he went back to heaven was what? You shall receive power, the Spirit of God coming upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, do you remember verses 15 and 16? You are the sons of God. Talking about Christians, we are the sons of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. You remember how our Lord could say in John chapter 9, the first few verses, verses 4 and 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he's gone home to glory. Where are men going to see Christ now? Where are men going to see God now? In you and in me. Certainly people today are not reading their Bibles. They're not going to hear the gospel preached. How we would long for every unsaved person, every sinner to come under the sound of the gospel, whether it be in your church or somebody else's church where they minister the word of God. But they don't go. They don't go. People are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Where are they going to see Christ? Where are you going to see the living God? Except as he is displayed and manifested in you and me. And our job, I said very frankly, our job is to attract people's attention to Christ. Do you remember 2 Corinthians 5.20? We beseech you in Christ's stead, in behalf of Christ, be ye reconciled to God. What a job. What a privilege, you see. And John said, I am not that light. He was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's why Jesus could say in John chapter 8, the 12th verse, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. And again I repeat, chapter 9, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Walk while you have the light, for the night cometh where no man can work. Now in verses 10 and 11, we have his rejection. Will you please mark it? In verse 10, the world rejected its creator. In verse 11, the Jews rejected their Messiah. What will God do? We shall see in a few moments. But first of all, in verse 10, he was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. I say again, the world rejected its creator. In the 19th Psalm, do you remember it? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge, and there is no place where the voice of creation is not heard. No place. No place. Even though they haven't heard of the Savior, even though they haven't heard of Jesus, even though they haven't seen a Bible, even though they don't know nothing of the Word of God, nevertheless, man has no excuse. There's no place where the voice of creation is not heard. You remember in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, where, especially verse 19, it says, The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. 
No man or woman on the face of the earth, whether they've heard the gospel or not, is without an excuse. Uh, where they've never heard the gospel, they are responsible to worship their Creator. There's no place, no place, where they haven't heard the voice of creation. The heavens declare His glory, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day, night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no place where the voice of creation is not heard. The darkest tribes in South America, I don't care what part of the world you go, men are responsible to worship their Creator. When I think today, for example, that more than half the population of the world are under an atheistic philosophy of life, they don't believe in a God at all, God will hold them responsible because He has made known Himself through His power, through His creation, through the design of creation. Men should worship Him. When a man said to me one time, Mitchell, I'm not a pagan, I'm not a heathen, I believe in a God, I can't see the creation, I can't look into the heavens and not believe there's a God behind it all. It's so perfect in its operation. I say, well, do you know him? No. Do you worship him? I don't know how. Then I said, you give me a few moments and I'll tell you how to worship him. And I quoted John 1, 14 and 18. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. No man hath seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He that has seen me, said Jesus, hath seen the Father. Listen, friend. Listen, friend. God has come out into the light. As I said a while ago, in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And you can know God. God is to be found. He's to be found in Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a wonderful thing to me to be able to say to you today that God loves you and that God has made provision whereby you can know him if you really mean business. The trouble is, people would rather believe any philosophy, any doctrine, anything that man, can, man conceives of rather than accept the simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to me that men say, I want life, I want peace, I want forgiveness, I want to be able to stand before God and yet will not accept the divine provision. Now remember, he was in the world and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Do you know him? Do you know him? For Christ, the living God, can be known. Now, if he was rejected by the world, the world rejected its creator, then let me say here again, the Jews rejected their Messiah in verse 11. He came to his own, and his own received him not. The Jews rejected their Messiah. In Luke chapter 19, you remember, they said, we will not have this man reign over us. We will not have this man reign over us. He came to his own, and his own received him not. The world rejected its creator. The Jews rejected their Messiah. What will God do? What will God do? 
I want you to mark, my friend, in the Gospel through John, the Jew at the very first chapter, the very introduction, is looked upon as having rejected the Savior. You don't find that in Matthew until you come to chapter 12. You don't find it in Luke until you come to chapter 9. But when you come here to John, it's in the very, very first chapter. Now, keep this in mind because when we go through some of these miracles which our Lord performed on the Sabbath day, he deliberately, deliberately did things on the Sabbath day. Why? Because they have rejected their God, the God of the covenant. And hence, he did things on the Sabbath day to bring them to the, at the time to realize that the Sabbath day, which was a sign of a covenant between God and the people of Israel, having spurned the God of the covenant, no use keeping up signs. And here we have it in these amazing verses. I'm thinking again of Paul in the book of Acts. Do you remember chapter 14 when Paul went down to Lystra and he healed a man who was lame on his feet and they were going to worship, the people of Lystra were going to worship Paul and Barnabas. In fact, the priests brought out sacrifices to do sacrifice unto Paul and Barnabas. And Paul went among them and said, We be servants of the Most High God, who show unto you the way of salvation. For God left not himself without witness, in that he did good, sending seed time and harvest and so on. Same in, in chapter 17 of Acts, when the Apostle Paul stood before the Athenian philosophers. He brought that to their attention the fact that they should have worked to worship the God who made them. You remember they were worshiping all kinds of gods. And they had an altar to the inscription to the unknown God. And Paul took that and started from there to teach them and he informed them to convict them of the fact that they were not worshiping the God who made them. And I tell you again, my friend, if you really want to know God, he has made known, he has come out into light, he's revealed himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into the world. The world was made by him. The world didn't know him. The world rejected its creator, and the Jews rejected their Messiah. Now, what will God do? Is there a crisis? There cannot be a crisis when we have a Christ. Ah, listen, friend. In verses 13 and 14, what will he do? He's going to bring in an entirely new race of people. No hope for the old race. It's gone. It's unrighteous. It's sinful. It's in darkness. It's in the kingdom of darkness. They don't want him. They rejected him. So God now is going to deal with individuals in verses 12 and 13. But to as many as receive him, to them he gives the authority, the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name who are born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but who are born of God. What's God going to do? He's going to bring into being a new race of people who are eternal, a race over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. This is what God is doing today. He is saving men and women, individuals out of every nation, tongue, and tribe. What's he doing it for? He's going to have a people who will be redeemed, a people who will worship him, a people who will trust him. My friend, listen, God's going to have a people. Whether you believe it or not, God's going to have a people who will trust him. And he's bringing into being, as I said, a new race of people. We will speak of this in our next lesson.
But I want again to appeal to your heart today, my friend. The Lord Jesus means business. And to as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Put your trust in the Savior and thus pass from death to life. Surface relationships used me till I was dying, and all the while someone was begging to free me from sin. He was there. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at town.